All right, welcome back to the Avery Ventures Podcast. I'm here with Rob Gearing. If you don't know Rob, he's uh, he's here a day after the 4th of July, and you can tell by his accent um, that they lost. Yeah, yeah, I'm really pissed off. <laughs> we shouldn't be doing this after today, yesterday, should we? Um, I, I, I have to say with Rockslide and Reviewing Gear, I met Rob kind of through Justin Crosley. Justin Crosley kept telling me about this six ounce sub six ounce bipod that I should really check out. And I kept saying, there, I didn't say this to him, but I kept saying, there's no way that I'm ever going to shoot off a sub six pound bipod. Come on, Justin. I know you're a soulless ginger, Yeah, but I'm not going to use it. Can't blame him for that. Yeah. So all of a sudden I, uh, I get one from him right before last hunting season. And uh, my son shot an antelope at 525 yards. Which you emailed me about and told yep. me. Yep. Yeah. Three days later after we got it, and I couldn't that's, – that's not true. We had the bipod for a while. We, had, we got the tripod three days before we left. But anyways, um, then he shot – then he turned around and he shot a bull at 750 off of it. And I'm thinking, man, there might be something to this. So then yeah. I really started using it. And the convenient part, Rob, is it's, what, 5.2 pounds? 5. Yeah, yeah, or 5.2 ounces. ounces yeah, sorry. it weighs less than an iPhone. Yeah, yeah you stick it in your pocket. Yeah. You don't even yeah. know it's there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's exactly – so – the whole game was I, I used to take people hunting a lot in the UK. Uh-huh. Got I've probably said this story a thousand times now. Got a Swedish guy into a nice roebuck. For all of you Americans out there don't know what a roe is, it's like a Labrador-sized deer. So good eating, very good hunting. Got him in. Didn't have a bipod on the rifle because I'd taken the things off. Not because I didn't like bipods, I just didn't like the weight. And I didn't like the sort of awkwardness of having them stuck there. And frankly, where I hunt, I might use a bipod one in every 10 times. Really? So it was really not something I used with a lot of woodland stalking. So most of us standing on sticks. Anyway, I failed the guy because I didn't give him the support he needed. So that row run off. We let it go because he didn't feel comfortable. I thought, shit, I've, I've got to be able to do a better job than this. Long story short, aviation background, came up with a few ideas. Won't bore you with that, but came up with this idea of attaching a bipod to a magnet. So stupidly simple and hadn't been done before. And I said to a clever guy, far cleverer than me, I said, make me a bipod that goes on my rifle with a magnet. And that was the end of my genius. Promise you, that was, that <laughs> that, was it. That was the day yeah. you stopped. And, you, and so Mr. Tucker here has the original one. That little metal leg thing there for the Spark Museum is what I use for a couple of years. It's a Model T. I'll post it up on Instagram, but it's, it's crazy how far it, it came. Yeah, it, we didn't get it right straight away, and we never get things right straight away. We put stuff out there. We get great feedback. Um, I mean, those Javelin bipods, we sold 30,000 of them now, and nobody even knows who we are. I mean, really, if we had this two years ago, nobody knew us in the States. We were just completely unknown. Justin so, did. Justin did. But Justin was the first guy um, to actually embrace that. And he was, a, he was a real ambassador. And even you didn't listen to him, right? No, no. A yeah. year. One yeah. whole year, yeah. I said, you're crazy. Yeah, yeah. And now, uh, I just told you, I walked almost four miles back to get mine that I left yeah. on the side of a hill. Because, One issue with them. <laughs> because I needed it because it is so light. And the, the, the thing is, is you kind of changed my mind on, you don't need to have it on your rifle all the time. No, and that's still an argument I have frequently where people constantly say, bipod should be on the rifle and I said well why why should it be so to this day and I might get beaten one day and I'm not super quick I say you drop your fucking legs on that bipod quicker than I can put that bloody bipod my javelin on and you've got a bipod and nobody's done it yet because it's two moments you know I just go boom and they're going 
they're still dicking around with the second leg. I think the thing is, it's just so simple that it's hard for people to grasp. Yeah. And it, simple things work, eh? And oh, I have do. to make them simple because I've got a simple mind. Well, and I, when, the reason I actually took so long to probably adapt to it was Justin said it's hooked on by a magnet. And I'm thinking, man, I can't even keep my kids' pictures on the fridge with yeah, a magnet, yeah. let alone a bipod on a gun. Yeah. But these magnets are uh, Hercules kind of magnets. We can make them stronger as well. We don't because if you make them too strong, then you get that click. And that ah. click is something the deer will hear. So you just we've, we've sort of balanced a good grip with nothing too solid. It's a bit like dropping the legs on a spring-type bipod where you get that ding. Mm-hmm. We've all done it. And then you see the butt run off. Yeah, so it's, everything's a compromise. And what we do is we've really aimed at the hunting marketplace because basically everybody in Spartan, it's, we're a hunting background. You know, we shoot a lot of deer in the UK. It's, it's not like the US where you've got a few deer hunters managing high numbers. Mm-hmm. So we really bang through them, you know, and right. it's, 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 it's almost like a factory process. All of that meat goes into the game dealers. It's sold, it's processed. You'll keep one for yourself now and again, but it's very different from how you do things in America. So we're out in the field doing a lot of hunting. Mm-hmm. You won't find me on a range. You'll find me on a range when I need to check my rifle or I've screwed up on a shot, which sometimes happens. You shoot enough deer, you get it wrong now and again. So if I'm not comfortable with the stuff, I'm testing it. But other than that, I'm out in the woods shooting deer. I don't think we said, this is the javelin bipod. I don't think we've said your name yet. <laughs> no. Yeah, it is the javelin bipod. Yeah, we've got, we've got two bipods out there at the moment. We've got the javelin and we've got the Spartan 300. The Spartan 300 is a different tool for a different purpose. The javelin is very much focused towards the hunting tools. There are people that would argue both ways, and there's, like all things, there's a personal choice. But what do I use for hunting? I still use the javelin. The Spartan 300 was developed for your seals. So Mm -hmm. they've got them on test at the moment. And basically, they contacted me a few years ago and said, oh, yeah, we really like the idea of your bipod. And I said, well, forgive me. I said, it's for hunting. And they said, well, forgive us. We hunt people. (laughs) <laughs> well, fair enough. So I spent a bit of time with those guys and developed something that really fe- fitted their requirements. Gotcha. Can you kind of explain the difference between the two for people? Yeah, very much. The javelin is designed to go on and off the rifle, will not be stowed on the rifle. It stays on your pocket. You see that carbon fiber holster there. This is the quick draw we've just developed. So that can basically go to your rucksack, your rifle sling, your belt. So it's just like a quick draw. So you pull that bipod on and fit it on when you need it. The Javelin will do two things that the Spartan 300 won't do. You can lock the cant block down because of the lever Mm -hmm. and you can put it into two different positions. You can reverse it 180 degrees so it's actually locked in place so the the rifle won't swivel, won't orbit around the bipod. If you're in a hunting position, you put it the other way around and you can actually track animals. So Jenna, for example, my daughter shot four four row off that Mm -hmm. real quick because she was able to orbit round without really moving too much. The Spartan 300, basically the SEAL guys said, look, we don't like any clutter on our rifles because we get caught on things. You know, we're just, mm-hmm. we're human at the end of the day and we've, we're doing room injuries or jumping out of a helicopter or whatever. We don't like clutter to get stuck up on stuff. You would have been the same for you probably. Mm-hmm. So they wanted a bipod they could pull off. They really liked that concept, but they also saw an opportunity where they would want to lock it into place. So the Spartan 300 can be locked under the platform and stayed in position and you just press a button to release it. But you can also drop it down and use it as a little handle. So you can stick up against gotcha. the wall and it's just a really versatile get you out of trouble bipod. 
But for the hunter, they're looking at the javelin. I would say very much the javelin is the way to go. I do have a few guys in Ireland that are Spartan testers that actually use a Spartan 300 for hunting, but they're actually military guys as well, but they love the Spartan 300. But my choice, I go for the javelin. And you have two different leg sizes. Two different leg sizes, but what we've done now is the standard one is probably the better way to go because you can buy leg extensions. Mm -hmm. So if you've got the standard one, that's very good because you can use it on a range because it's short enough to get down behind the rifle, right? But with the leg extension kits, you can always make it longer. The long one is no good on the range because it just sits too high. It's a hunting tool, purely and simply. So I I recommend to people to go for the standard and then buy longer legs if you need them. So was it a natural progression from the bipods to the three different tripods you guys now offer? It's yeah, I've it, it, ironically enough the tripod was the thing that I was more excited about from day 1 because this is a super versatile bit of kit and what this doesn't do ain't worth bothering with. My background's climbing mountains, so I like stuff that's really versatile, strong and functional and if I can, has more than one use. Mm-hmm. Well, this little tripod has a whole facet of uses, as you've seen today. Unbelievable so, amount. Yeah. So I use it as my trekking poles, right? It all breaks down to your trekking poles. They're probably the world's strongest trekking poles now. We use uh, Austrian carbon. This stuff is just out there. The, the company that make this carbon make control rods for aircraft. It's absolutely on the button. Um all of the aluminium on this is 7,000 machine. There's not a single cast part on this. And yeah, of course we can make cast parts, but is we're that, not. Is that the same thing as aluminum? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> I got that off bloody Aaron as well. <laughs> we're going to start another war. <laughs> Six of July is just around the corner. <laughs> keep, keep, keep going. Right, so, so, oh, crikey. So basically, it's the dog's nuts. It's right? the dog yeah. nuts. So basically, it's it's a mini tripod. It's uh, You can use it for glassing. You can swap the head off and you can put a pan head on there. But you can shoot off it. You can put your optics on it. You can put your camera on it. And you can even now turn it into your tent. <laughs> he, he does have a – I've literally been going through all these Dyneema, Dyneema places to uh, get a tent. I have a couple tags in late. November that I need a good shelter that's light because I'm fat and I got to hike in a long ways and he literally pulls this Dyneema got to be a 14 15 ounce tent out of it's the bag less than a pound in weight yeah I know I don't know what it, and it'll get lighter as well because that one we dealt with the those shitty elastic bits before we get to the tent part so you have three different sizes can you kind of kind of name them and what they're yeah for we've on the got we've basically got the woodland right which is Huge. I mean, if you're a six foot five Viking, you know, or professional football player, it'll it'll do everything you need it to do. It'll cover everything from seated to standing shots mm-hmm. and some, and, and will work at your trekking poles. Then, if you're more like Ryan and me, you've got the mounting kit, or if you're a mountain hut and turn, you're never going to shoot standing up. The mounting one's the one to go for. It's a little bit smaller. I don't know. I'm not. I'm shit with lengths. Right. One's, one's long, one's I short. I believe it was 52 inches. Oh, there you go. It. You've done your homework. And then we've got these little mini legs, which can be used as a bipod, can be used for glassing, and you can shoot off it as a tripod as well. But uh, I'm really pretty excited about these little fellas. I think there's a huge amount of versatility. And that will that will replace the javelin. Jav- you don't need everything, right? You do not need to buy every Spartan piece, right? I'm not out to sell everybody everything. You pick what you need what works for you. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to, it's a bit like 
uh, Ryan Callahan saying at first light. So you pick what works for you, and he's absolutely right. We're not trying. You don't. If you buy a mini tripod, you don't need a javelin. If you buy right. a javelin, you don't need a mini tripod. So get what works for you, or. Always reach out to us. We're very passionate about speaking to people and offering advice where we can. But we're honest guys. We want we want people getting the stuff that actually works for them. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I like how you said uh, it's the three hundred eight of tripods. Yeah, and that's that's absolutely a good analogy. It doesn't do anything. A three hundred eight. I I use a three hundred eight. I hated three hundred eights for my life. I've always, I grew up with a six point five, but now we get given so many rifles. Right. We just use three hundred eights right. because. It's easy and we know what we're getting and you can always get ammunition. So with a 308, it does everything okay, but it doesn't do anything brilliantly, <laughs> right? There's always something that's going to do something better. And our system is the 308 of the hunting world. You know, if you want to go in glass and do everything super dupe and blah, and you're prepared to carry another five bloody pounds, you fill your boots and carry that tripod up there. Ours will do it. it will it do it as well? No, it probably won't. But as a shooting system, we do reckon it's absolutely game-changing. And as I say, that tripod, for me, I very rarely use it on three legs because the kind of shooting I do is in woodland. So I leave one leg behind. I just take it on two legs. It's such a way you've seen how versatile mm -hmm. it is. You can flip it round. You can sit with it. You can stand with it. And because of that ball joint on the top, you can actually actively drop the legs and load the legs as mm -hmm. if it's a giant bipod. You, in essence, become the third leg. Gotcha. And I think that uh, the one thing that like through hikers have on us is they've known that they use one tool for multiple things. Well, my I climb more mountains than I do shoot deer, right? If you look at my background, I've climbed a lot in Greenland, Patagonia, a bit in the Himalaya, a bit over here, right? We did a few first ascents. I climbed with a very famous climber, a guy called Simon Yates, a good mate of mine, and he was famous for cutting his mate off film called Touching the Void. It's not a porn film, I promise, but it's worth watching. <laughs> Touching the Void. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, and he's a great guy. He's a really good guy. So I've climbed at sort of a fairly high level, right? But for us, if kit fails, it's, it's game changing. It's catastrophic. Yeah. So I've come from this and I've looked at the hunting world. I've looked at clothing and there are guys out there like the First Light guys now that are absolutely killing it and making, I'm living their stuff. Love it. Um, and I'm not saying that because I like their ethos. They actually make bloody good. I don't like everything they do, but I, that little merino wool jacket, that sawtooth jacket. The sawtooth is oh, my shit, favorite I jacket. live in it. I mean, That's I'm, the favorite one they make. I'm stinking now because I've been wearing that for the I've been over in the States for three weeks. I've slept out a lot. I'm, gonna, I'm covered in fat and jizz and horrible stuff, but it's, it's, that jacket is brilliant. Um, there's other things that maybe I don't like so much, but I, I think for, they really have, they've upped their game. They've done what? For the hunting world, what climbers were doing some years back, but they're doing it very, very well and with hunting specifics in mind. And I'm absolutely passionate about clothing because I spend so tight, so long getting wet and uncomfortable. So I'm very much, you know, if I go into the mountains, all the all that all your fur comes off, Ryan. Your mm -hmm. butt, shave your ass, shave everything, coconut fat it up, and I'm good to go. Um, so you're going in like a newborn baby Oh, yeah, boy. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, this is a bacteria <laughs> nightmare. Yeah, yeah. So we could talk about that for a lot, but basically, what were we bloody talking about? We were talking about the utilitarian. Yeah, exactly. So what I'm doing with climbing stuff is basically I'm applying that to the shooting world. So I'm giving you tools that don't weigh too much that will provide a lot of answers. And 
people, I did that Weatherby ladies hunting thing. It's very interesting because people learn to hunt on a flat table, all the grass, flat. It ain't flat up there. No. Right? And so I was putting those girls in an environment saying, right, you are not going to be shooting on ground like this, guys. So we're going to change the dynamics here. So I put them into a mountain environment. They were shooting at big angles, simulated a bad shot. And then they had to follow up. Every one of those girls hit that target and followed up. Every one of them. I was nice. really impressed. So we used the bipod. We used the sticks. We used the tripod. Just giving them confidence. And I said, I personally don't think there's a bad rifle out there now. I think all rifles shoot pretty well. And even the glass, even the optics, they're all up in their game. It's a bit like cars. Everybody's <coughs> making good gear. Right. Where we fall over is attaching that gear to the ground to make sure we've got a good connection so we're good and stable. So... I've never been a brilliant shot and I don't have the confidence to shoot freehand. And I actually, I'm pretty passionate about doing the job and getting a dead animal on the bench, mm-hmm. right? That for me is quite a key issue. That should be everybody's goal. Yeah. And sadly, you know, I'm going to be honest, I haven't always achieved that. And if you shoot as many deer as I've shot, it's inevitable you're going to get the odd one wrong now and again. And I will continue to do that. And that's something I've got to live with. But if, with the tools that Spartan provide... This isn't a big sale job. You guys have tried it. It's, mm-hmm. It really ups your game. And it really ups your game in a hunting environment. I mean by hunting environment, I mean where you've got hills, rocks, not flat ground. You're in their environment. You're not in our environment. Inherently, your, your javelin bipod made me a better shot because one key factor, I take it. Yeah. And if yeah. I can use it and you can get on the ground, yeah. that's obviously your best shot. Exactly. Yeah. Wouldn't argue with that at all. And if you can get a rucksack up, Use it. You use whatever, but it's another tool. Yep. Right. You don't take an electric bloody kettle to the mountains, do you? Because it won't fucking work. Right. (laughs) So at the end of the day, you have things that you can use in this difficult environment. So if a guy buys your mountain uh, tripod, how many uses does it have? It can be trekking pole. It can be your tent. So, so let's talk this through. It's your trekking poles. It's your tent. We're, we're now making um, a tree saw adapter. On that, that was Coffin Rob's idea, not mine. Well Coffin done, Coffin. Rob. So basically, Coffin said, "Well, we do a lot of high set. We do a lot of tree stuff work." So he said, "I'm always sitting in these things, and I can't see for shit because there's bloody trees that need cutting out the way." So he's developed a little tree saw adapter that goes on the end, and now he's got really carried away because he did a bit of mountain stuff as well. He's building a snow shovel. <laughs> so we've got a snow shovel, a tree so, saw. So a snow shovel will attach to attach the handle. So this actually effectively becomes your shovel handle. Yeah. So there's a lot of things. And then we're working on the tent. Obviously, my daughter, Jenna, is, and I don't look, I don't recommend this, guys, but she's actually wired up something at her little place and she's cooking underneath it. You've probably seen on her. On the tripod. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I did so see she's, that. I said, shit, Jenna. It's not, anyway, it works. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of things it does. And then you have another thing you said it's like a spike you can drag behind you on shale for big descents. Oh, yeah. So we've got, that's very much for the chamois hunters. So in the Alps, they go into the uh, mountains with a big stick normally, and they use it like a third leg. Mm-hmm. Well, what we've done is we've developed a little plastic plug that goes on the end of the three feet, right? Locks in place so you can glissade. So if you get all that gravel or scree, you can use it as a scree stick and come down the mountains. Did a lot of that in New Zealand. You know, you're moving quite quickly and you use those scree slopes to come back down again, sort of chasing the daylight, really. And I thought, oh, we need one of those. So we built one. I don't think it'd be a big seller. It's certainly something probably people here wouldn't need, but in the right environment, it's a game changer. Yeah, some of the guys are hunting shell in Colorado, Utah, or up, you know, sheep hunting up in Alaska, BC. 
Well, you need to see it. And then we've got handles. We've got a little hammerhead handle. You know, just just even the little hand, the trekking pole handle has other uses. So you can use it as a hammer. We're working on a uh, tiny, um, what do you call it, pan head. Mm-hmm. We're not. Strasser. Strasser Rifles are making that for us because they make beautiful engineering. They made one. It's like nothing. Super light. Is it as good as a big pan head? Of course it isn't. Will it be almost there? Yes, it will. So it's again, it's do I take the big heavy one or do I put yeah. that lightweight one in? So we're not, I don't want people phone up saying, well, it doesn't do this and blah, blah. Of course it won't, but it'll do 90% of what you need and it weighs like a tenth of the weight. 308. Yeah. 308, exactly. We're going to use that analogy. Oh, that's a beautiful yeah, way to yeah. think about it. Um, on your tent, you're going to offer two different versions. Can you kind of talk yeah, about so, it? Yeah, so what we've done with the tents, just like everything the Spartans do, we're very good at knowing what we can't do, right? We mm. make bipods and tripods, right? There's a lot of accessories that fit around that, and uh, we've tried to make things. <laughs> I'm not going to bore you with it, but they've been spectacular disasters, so... Now we just go to the best we can find, and we've gone to a fantastic tent manufacturer recommended by the Dyne. They actually work with Dyneema. And I was in, I went there, took a prototype, and I looked at what these guys were doing. I said, shit, guys, you're just killing it. I said, I'm, not, I'm embarrassed with our prototypes. So they've actually now made us, which we're looking out the window now, two tents. There's um, one made in event, which we'd call a proper four-season, you-could-go-anywhere tent, mm-hmm. right, and have a real comfy night in it. And then you've got the Dyneema one. The problem with Dyneema is not it's not breathable, so you need to vent that tent. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get cold, Avery. You are going to get oh, cold when you it, use it. As long over. as I don't get wet, yeah, I'm but you good. won't get wet because it's 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 all sheeted in. It's like a giant bivy bag, well vented. So if Avery doesn't come back after his hunt in November, don't blame the bloody Spartans. <laughs> it's gonna... on this now. He should be taking the event one, but the event one weighs probably two and a half, three times away. I, we've literally been talking about, <clears throat> I have a backpack hunt in November and uh, for mule deer, and it could be pretty treacherous. So we, I was talking to Rob about getting in shape and lightweight, and I was drinking a monster, and he said, you got to get rid of that fucking poison. Yeah, and it is. It, uh, any Right. It, this is a Mr. G bit of advice for all of you people out there, right? No sugars, guys. Sugars, we're just not designed to take them. So cut out all the sugars. High fat. I have a real high fat diet. I go for whole fat everything. I don't buy any sort of semi-fat. I don't buy processed food. I mean, now and again, I sin, I weaken. Sorry, so, like, Just yeah. for helping people like traveling, because you've been traveling for the last couple of weeks. So, How do you eat? What's right, your diet? I'll tell you what I do. I've been doing a bit of fishing. Uh, ben Bishop at Sig Sauer gave me a bucket load of catfish. I've been sleeping out a lot on the rivers. If I'd been a better fly fisherman, I might have eaten a bit more fucking drought. Right. But anyway, um, so I stuff myself with avocados. I'm not a big fan of avocados, but they're good for you. And I have a lot of oil in my diet, a lot of good fats. But you will never touch me drinking any crap like that. Nothing. Nothing. Water. I have coffee. I have full fat cream coffee. And look, I'm not a porker. I'm 55. No, you're very good shape. Yeah, yeah. So I, I just hold it on. But I've got a missy, you know, my, my woman at home's French and she's, I live a proper Spartan diet at home. I mean, we don't have any bread. We don't. Nothing. Nothing. Right. So bread's out, sugar's out. Yeah. You come down to our house, it's pretty sad. <laughs> right. But after two weeks of getting into that sort of attitude, you change your body. You won't even want that. If you totally stop, change. If you stop drinking that for two weeks, you think, I don't even miss it. 
So, Ryan, you got to stop it. Uh, I got by November. Yeah, you need to be, you know, no, before November. No, 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 I need to be yeah. cheap by November. So if I cut that out in yeah. two weeks, I'd notice a difference. Yeah, 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 absolutely. You cut it out. But processed food is just, I mean, look, 7 billion people on the planet, we need processed food. We need farms. We need intensive farms. It's just I choose not to eat that stuff. Gotcha. And I have the luxury of shooting my own game and blah, blah, blah. And my family do the same. So pretty much everything we eat is pretty healthy. So I bought myself a little Yeti freezer pack here and I keep stuffing it with ice and stuffing, finding organic shops and getting cream. And fat. Yeah, I've done all right. I mean, I'm probably Help. three weeks into this trip now. Are you sleeping in that tent? Um, no, because I only just got that. Oh, that was you? delivered to uh, Larry Tucker's daughter. So that's, wow. I only saw this this morning. I've been so jizzed up about this. I cannot tell you. I, I was the tripod this morning when I got out of bed. <laughs> so how are you cooking your fish? In the- oh, I just, I haven't got, a, I didn't have a tent. I just got a sleeping bag and a mat. So you're a Spartan. I'm proper Spartan. And I do, I have to say, I gayed up slightly. I had a mozzie net over my head on the Madison River because those midges, I just, fuck, I was, they were killing me. Yeah. No, no. Proper Spartan. I really travel basic, but I've always done that. Yeah. I like it. I probably get into a hotel every sort of third or fourth night because I actually start to stink pretty well, bad. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm probably pretty fresh at the moment. So sorry about that, Ron. Hey, my nose doesn't work. Yeah, so that's good. good. That's uh, good. We talked a little bit about you climbing mountains. Fitness wise, lots of listeners are backcountry hunters. What's your fitness regimen for climbing the mountains? Right. The best thing to learn to climb mountains is to climb mountains. That's a stupid term because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. The stair machines are good, right? But running, I don't, I'm not a big fan of running. I'm a big fan of climbing, even stairs. You know, if I stay in a hotel, I never use the lifts. It's sort of stairs up, stairs down, and just keep that going. And my physical fitness, I we're all slightly different genetically, but... I like to burn really hard and fast. I'm not a marathon runner. I can plod on and on and on. But if I go into the gym, I'm there and I'll get on a step machine and I'll kill myself for 15 minutes. I'm not going to be there for three hours. I actually don't think it does you any good. It's just getting that pulse up and thinking your body. It's just like teaching your body thinks, fuck, I don't like this. So I'm going to get better. Right. And that's exactly what you're teaching your body. So I used to be a bit heavier. I was much bigger when I was younger. But now, as I got older, your joints are the thing that crap out on you. Right. right? You just wear them out. And I'd love to say my joints work like I did when I was 30. But I'm still going hunting with people that are 30. Mm-hmm. So I have to really, but it just takes me a bit longer to recover. So I'm doing everything I possibly bloody can to make sure I can still go hunting and doing the things I love doing. Um, so I avoid all this. You so know, no, you I just, think any 25-year-old can do or drink whatever, whatever they like and they're going to get away with it. When you get older, you've got to be a bit more sensible about it. So when you do go backpacking, what, what's, your, what's your food? What, right, good one. Real good question. So me, I'll take a lot of rice. I don't take anything that's got fluid in it at all because you've always got water. Uh-huh. Um, I take the dehydrate. There's a Norwegian company. Um, I can't remember they're going to kill me, but there's a Norwegian company that makes some really, really good Dried fruit, best stuff on the planet, in my view. You've got some good stuff over here as well, but it's not quite there. I take turmeric, I take ginger, I take salt. Because the other thing is, if you're not processing, right, you need these electrolytes that everybody rants and raves about. I'm like, um, I listened to Aaron the other day, and I'm absolutely, yeah, just stick them on the tongue, they work, but it's the salt you really need to get. And people cramp out and shit out because they aren't getting enough salt. And people invariably, they don't drink enough. And this altitude sickness, right, um, 
Yeah, it, it You're can hit you. Nathan but the French. Nathan French. So yeah, I listened to podcast. Really, I really enjoyed that podcast. And Nathan, just by the way, it's not the dried food that gives you the nasty dreams. It's altitude, right? So two thousand meters, six thousand feet, you start dreaming. You all start dreaming because everything's going. And your body's trying to chemically change to adapt as quickly as it bloody can before you die. Because mm-hmm. over six thousand meters, guys, you're dying doesn't matter and you could be a porky bastard and you can do absolutely fine and you can be a super fit athlete and you can fall over with it and i've seen the both so nothing to do with physical fitness it's to do with how your chemistry reacts to the altitude but you're basically filling up with fluid right and you're not processing it so if you take a little nepalese guy who's lived at fifteen thousand feet he's going to have a completely different chemical makeup to you Mm-hmm. So he's carrying a lot more oxygen around his body and he's processing it. You will evolve and you'll develop or you'll die in the process. So what do you do for altitude sickness? I'm really it? lucky with it. I mean, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm not going to go and climb Everest. And I do, I have very little appeal of going over 6,000 meters because I've been there and it's not pleasant. It really isn't pleasant. And actually I like beer and shagging too much, to be honest, to risk <laughs> that kind of thing anymore, really. <laughs> so I've done all that. I, I, and really this journey with the products and such like is my climb, but to get fit for that kind of thing. Yeah. A lot of staircase work, a lot of being outdoors, mm-hmm. but you get fit on the route as well. It's amazing how quickly your body adapts um, when you're in that. So if you were going to do a Himalayan route, to be honest, you'd probably do well to walk into it. So when we, we tried a, we tried a first ascent in the Himalayas a few years back, which is still unclimbed because we crapped out on it at about, I think we got to about 500 metres at the top and then it all let go and got a bit ugly. And so we had to come off. But we had a couple of guys that suffered from altitude sickness on that. We just take them back down, leave them for 24 hours, take it a bit gently, go up, make sure you get lots of fluids in them. And it tends to work itself out. People will adapt quite quick. What do you first start to notice? Is it headaches? Headaches. Different people, it affects different ways. Like, you know, you can wake up and you could have shat yourself. You know, it's all, all sorts of things can go wrong, but they can go wrong quite quick. But people not thinking straight and such like, so you really got to look out for those kind of signs. But honestly, I mean, people rent and rave, you know, 6,000 metres, yeah, 3,000 metres, so 9,000 feet, you're going to start feeling really a bit odd. But if you take it slow and drink, drink, drink and drink some more, that will really help. A lot of people water. think they've got out. Yeah, water. Yeah. A lot of people think um, they've got altitude sickness when they're probably just dehydrated. Yeah. On the uh, the climbing thing, obviously, the gear is pretty lightweight. <clears throat> Do you bring that over to the hunting side? Well, that's exactly where this has really come from. Is it? You know, I've been using lecky trekking poles for years. I take three normally because I live on them and they're bloody good. It's a brilliant bit of kit. We've just upped it really and made it a bit more chunky which there's a weight to pay for, but then you're shooting off hours. Right. Right. So they've got a tan. They've got to put, I mean, you'll see me hanging upside down off these bloody things. We tried it in the garden earlier, lads, but I sunk in the mud. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's a little too yeah. uh, wet out there. Yeah. Like backpack sleeping wise, what are you using? Right. So that's a really good question. Backpack. So I have one sleeping bag that lasts me the whole season and I do not take a bivy bag. I don't often use a tent. What I've got, there's a really good company called PhD Designs, a little tiny company in the UK, a couple of old birds, and they make your things. So I use a 900 down, right, but I get an event membrane built around the sleeping bag. So it's a bivy bag, sleeping bag, all in one. But I've literally, that bag weighs two pounds. So then I make a down jacket 
and put an event. So I, if I'm going to get, if I'm going to go to the Arctic or something, I'm going there later in the year. That's the sleeping bag I take. I just put a duvet on underneath. Gotcha. So I'm saving a shitload of weight, and again, it's multi. It's much more versatile. So if you look to my sleeping bag in there, that I've been, if it pissed down all night, I'm gonna, I might get a wet head, but I'm gonna be pretty dry and comfy. So they actually sew the event right to the bag. It's the bag is a Gore-Tex. It's not, but it's event, but it's an oh. event. I prefer event to Gore-Tex. We could talk about that for yonks, but basics. An event membrane sewn to the bag. So the sleeping bag is an event sleeping bag. That's impressive. And they just- It's uh, stupid uh, simple though, isn't it? Boutique company that just- Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, people should be doing it all over the planet. So, you know, you listen to all these podcasts and people saying, well, I use this and I get Tyvek or I put this. I think, shit, well, just get your bag waterproof. Because I'm a big fan of down, right? But the trouble is if down, if you get wet and down, you're dead, right? right? You know, it's not, one of, it's not very forgiving stuff. Right. Might work on a duck- <laughs> but it don't work on humans. Damn hard so, to dry yeah. out. So, and you're, you're stuffed. And it's like, I'm a big fan of what um, Schneider said, um, you know, layer, 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 because you can dry everything out so quick. You are, if you spend time, you are going to get wet. It's not pleasant, guys. Oh, so yes. if you take big, heavy stuff, you just got big, heavy, wet stuff that takes a long time to dry out. And it won't dry, and it gets miserable, you know. Keep your feet well, um, decent boots. I buy boots from boot makers, not from clothing makers that make boots. I buy clothing makers from clothing. I Fiat Raven. I love the Fiat Raven stuff. I love the First Light stuff. I use Ventile a lot. It's a cotton membrane that was Second World War technology, but it basically bought the pilots another 20 minutes if they went into the drink, right? It's cotton. It's cotton as an outer, right, weaved in that way. It becomes waterproof when it gets wet. And hmm. it's fantastic wind. It really, really works well. I wouldn't wear cotton on my skin. It's a death trap. But cotton weaved in the right way. The trouble is it's really expensive to make and people wash it and it craps out. Uh-huh. So you buy a Ventile jacket, you don't wash it, you sponge it off and it's, it's brilliant stuff. Why do you like that event over the Gore-Tex? It's more breathable. I, I, I mean, I, I'm sure there's lots of different breathable membranes of Gore-Tex, but I find event just works better. And the thing is, I've spent a lot of time where conditions get really cold. Those membranes stop working, right? So in Greenland, for example, we were climbing. We did seven first ascents. I went and soloed one on my own when I was stupid, right? The whole thing let go two days later, but I basically disappeared and thought I'd have a go. By the time I got back, I was gone for, let's say, a good 12 hours, Right. When I got back to um, our little base camp, I took the jack. I was iced completely on the inside, you know, and I was, it wasn't a strenuous climb. I'm not going to say I was on an ice, ice axe, completely mm-hmm. suicidal for six hours. Nothing like it. I climbed the mountain. There was some stressy times. There was some scary times, but it was, I'm not going to say it was a suicide mission. Right. Um, but I got down, but it would have been, I'd have died if I hadn't got back to that camp that night. Wow. You know, with the amount of fluid that just built up on the inside of those membranes. Look, at the end of the day, they all, nothing works perfectly, does it? So you just find if you layer everything up, you've got your marine, I, I love merino wool as to my skin because I stink quickly, right? Most people do. And then I pref- probably prefer synthetic layer on the outside of that. And then I'm a big down fan. And um, I've got a really lightweight Patagonia down jacket that's like a crisp packet you know it's nothing mm-hmm. that's such a versatile bit of kit and then i have a big heavy down to go on top of that and then i put my outer on so you cover all events 
But it's like your hands as well. You're never going to, like Tanya was saying, I was listening about, you know, mm-hmm. her hands are freezing. Yeah, all the time. The other problem people make is they put stuff on that's too tight. Mm. Boots, people's freezing feet. It's often the boots aren't, it's they've got too tight boots. Gloves, same. Keep it all loose and get a bit of air in there. Layers also. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But you try this at home. You put a pair of thin gloves, liner gloves, under a pair of thick gloves and it's tight. You actually get colder hands. Right. Trust me, I've spent enough time out there playing. So make sure there's a lot of space and a lot of gaps for the air to get trapped and stay warm. <laughs> it's yeah. logical stuff when you think about it. No, that is. And I, you know, layers wise, military wise, they, you know, they actually size up a little bit to get a little bit more yeah, yeah, heat yeah. trapping and, ability. Yeah. yeah. And it's I think, all compressed, especially with down, if it's compressed, it ain't helping. It's you. not going to work, is it? You think what it's going to do, it's trapping air. You're, all you're doing is trapping air and keeping it warm. You're, we're, we're like that Yeti bag in the back of my car. You're just doing <laughs> a, you know, a human version of it. So you don't use a tent if you don't have to. I, I, I haven't had a tent all the time I've been out here. Now, look, I'm, I'm, as, <laughs> I'm as sensible as the next person. If I've got one, I'm going to use it. I just didn't have one. Right. Yeah. When so you're, if when you're climbing the, next... the mountains or you're going Oh, no, hunting? no. If you're in green, you, you're, you're dead without a tent. Gotcha. Yeah. No, you're, I mean, yeah, it's, 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 if your tent blows away, you're finished. Gotcha. And like in Greenland, for example, we're 250 kilometers in. It's nobody's going to come and save us if we wow. screw up. You know, we got a barrel of food. We dropped off by the Inuit and left. So you're very much on your own. And tent is, I mean, by the time I finished that trip, you talk about wasted body heat. I had an older sleeping bag. I dropped like 10 inches. I'd melted 10 inches of snow. You know, I was lower than everybody else in that. Wow. One. Well, it's just, yeah, it's just, yeah. You know, you really, it's a different game. No, a tent in that environment is not a nice thing to have it's absolutely imperative gotcha all right well what's next where are you guys headed Where's so Spartan i'm headed? off to oregon next i mean this this would be a pretty much a five-week trip i've done this i'm a big passionate believer in meeting people face to face i i love this it's not like a job for me but you know when we're in the luxury we don't have anybody at spartan that's controlling us like a financial thing so make it cheap or do this you know we're a bunch of passionate people that right. want to get it right and i like to think it comes through in the product so for me to come and meet people like you to meet the kifaru boys kifaru kifaru <laughs> there <laughs> I, you go Aaron. Right. I, yeah. it says kifaru yeah, if yeah. you talk to patrick it's yeah. kifaru yeah. if you talk to everybody else it's kifaru yeah and aaron will sometimes yeah. tell you anyway, you're saying it wrong i i um i just love meeting good people making great gear Right. And I just want to be part of that. And I think our stuff is people spend a lot of time and money planning a hunt. We're just adding a few tools that I think are quite essential to enable you to get the job done. But, you know, that doesn't come from me. You read the reviews. People like you are liking it and such like it. They're hunting tools on a range. Go and use something else, lads. You know, I'm not I'm not I do not want to get into that fight about, oh, you should use this, this and this. Mm -hmm. I'd say. There's different tools for different jobs. This is basically aimed at people that are serious about getting dead animals on the ground. Well, the difference is you're going to take this. And I, I always yeah. tell people that ask me, what's the, why would you buy this? I said, you buy the javelin because you're going to take it with you. You're not yeah. going to shoot thousand yards best bench yeah. rest groups with it, yeah. but you're going to kill animals with it because yeah. one, you're going to have it and two, it works. Yeah, exactly. And it's, yeah, it's what it says on the tin, but we're, we're going to use that 308 analogy and the same for the tripods. It's, um, and there's lots of things that have come out of the Spartan stable. Um, it's, we've, got, we've got a lot of ideas and everything. For me, I'm not doing the Apple Mac thing. The plug remains the same. 
So whether you've got one of the first javelins, even that little old history, bit of history sitting there will still work in the adapters that we make today. <laughs> and I'm really proud about that because if people invest in the product, there's nothing more annoying than suddenly, oh shit, those guys have changed the circuitry. It's the one thing people like about Kafaru. All their bags work on every frame they've yeah, yeah, ever yeah. made. Good on them. You know, and long may that continue. And all the time you've got pa- passionate people like Aaron and Frank, and they, they won't change that. You know, and that guy's solid. I, I really respect the way. We had a real good chat about, he said, well, sometimes our rucksacks won't, you know, there'd be a better things for better people. He said, I tell people and then they go and buy everything. And I, I get that. I think mm-hmm. I spend my life saying, God, you don't need that. If you're buying that bit, that, oh, no, no, you don't. Honestly, you buy the bits that work for you. And we're happy to, you tell us what you're doing and we'll tell you what we think will work best. How can't, much? Be, can't be more honest than that. No, the 308 yeah. analogy says it all because yeah. you could say, no, this is the best product, period. But, but you it, say isn't. It's, it isn't. It's, it's the best product as a good all-round tool. Yeah, right. and I right. agree. Yeah, but if you wanted to go and sit and watch GOAT for 24 hours, maybe you want to go and take um, a Manfrotto or something with a big swivel head and you're going to pay the price in the weight, but it'll do a better job. This will get you out of the poo. Couldn't set it better myself. Yeah. Out of the poo. That's it. And we all like to be out of the poo. <laughs> How much is that uh, hail damage going to cost you on your car out Oh, there? shit. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, well, hopefully nothing because my lovely PA, my LPA, as we look at her, she is, she, she's my, it's like having a second wife. She's absolutely brilliant. Was very wise and she got me full insurance. So I picked up a Porsche Cayenne from the high side. They just hired me a normal little car. And I said, I like that one. What's that going to cost me? <laughs> she gave me a stupid price. I said, shit, that's not going to happen. She said, well, you've got it for five weeks. I could do you a special deal. And I said, well, it's going to have to be. Anyway, they did. They're going to really regret that. Every body panel, I've screwed up on that car. Every body panel. Rob, I've heard of hail damage. Yeah. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah, yeah. The windscreen's gone. I've got that crack's growing. Right, I've done three and a half thousand miles. I've got about another two thousand miles to do. <laughs> I'm hoping I don't become fully air blown. So, time. that was in Colorado. That was within first twenty four hours of having that car. I literally done a, a podcast with the Kifaru guys, and um, I flew down to uh, Arizona to meet um, Macmillan Stocks and do a bit out there in, in Harrison from Recoil Magazine. And I came back, and I was going to go and have a beer. Sorry, Magley, I had a pint. Yeah, only one, <laughs> only one. Oh shit, cut that bit out. No, and, Are you uh, supposed to yeah. be? And um, yeah, so uh, I went. I went out the road to go and look at beer, and I, I actually got back, and I thought, shit, I'm going to drive. Right? Thank God I did, because there's no trees there. And I got up to the the bar, and the first one hit me, and I thought, what? Somebody shut a hammer on the roof, and, boom, boom, and they were like the size of golf balls. Oh, and you see the damage that thing's done. And so it broke the windscreen and it's got a glass roof on there. I thought, if that roof goes, I'm in the serious doo-doos here. <laughs> I, I've never yeah. seen nothing like no, that. No. It looks like somebody took a ball-peen hammer and yeah, just yeah. hit every Whacked panel. every panel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. So luckily, my LPA saved my bacon because I reckon that might be written off. Anyway, yeah. Not, I hope so. Not it's pretty. not a cheap car. I'm going to go back to the hire company so it's like that when I picked it up, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Watch their faces. Yeah. All right. So if people have questions, where do they get a hold of you? Ah, uh, they can contact us. They can go to javelinbipod.com, Spartan Precision Equipment, both will put in carbon bipod. Any of them will take you to the website. Um, the good thing is give us your phone number. We, we, we're small and we have the time and we like to pe- speak to people. We're really, we want to make sure you get what you need, not what you think you need. 
right? And the, this stuff really needs to almost be taught. Does that make sense? Yes. You need to spend 25, 30 minutes with people to walk them through because if you don't, and we need to do more videos and kick us for that because we'll, when I've got more time, we will, but there's a there's little education process through this where it'll do stuff and you think, ah, oh, I didn't know it could do that. And, you know, me being totally honest, I've learned a lot of things on the tripod because people have asked and said, what happens if you do that? And I thought, oh, happy accident. So like turning the whole tripod round, well, as a bipod, turning it round, shooting uphill. So that didn't come from me. A guy was watching me doing the demo. So he said, what happens? If, oh, yeah, <laughs> I've used that. I've now used that to take deer. So it's, it's, I wouldn't have thought of it. And it's stupid common sense stuff when you think about it. But yeah, there's a lot of little facets that won't be obvious until people have actually played with the stuff and learned how to do it. I agree. Cause you've, when you first look at it, you don't know what you have. No, it's, um, and, and as I say, there'll be a continuum. So this tripod will turn into quad sticks. We've been working with the Irish Ranger lads a lot. They use it on five legs and four legs. Right, and there's some little adapters that I haven't got here yet that will attach two sets of legs to the back. There's a yoke that's coming out, so you can support the back of the rifle and the front of the rifle. Well, they've been using it for US sniper competitions, so uh, it works. And then we're looking at, at little sucker things for the vehicles. There's a whole sort. It's a never. It's great fun because we just we we love making good gear. Never stop. Well, I'm really glad that Justin kept harassing me about you because you're good people, first and foremost, making great product. Well, it's nice to be here after July the 4th <laughs> and still be here. <laughs> oh, thanks a lot, Rob. Thanks for taking the time. No, pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed it.